and welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I am your host, Emily Moshak, and I'm joined in studio by my co-host. Howdy, howdy. That's me, J.D. Layton. And our two lovely reporters. Allison Tackett. And Maximus Hunter. We have a jam-packed show for you today filled with local national news as well as a look at a film festival coming to Fort Collins this weekend and... A secret insight into CSU's beekeeping club. Would you say it's the secret life of bees? Oh. Wow. I set you up for that oh. one, and I was not even Jeez. trying. That Oof. was that was good. But we're going to have all that for you and more, so stay with us. It's going to be a great show. But we're going to kick it off with you, Max, for our local news update. Sounds good. Hello. My name is Maximus Hunter, and this is your daily news for March 5th on the Rocky Mountain Review. Today, a new holiday is being made official. February 26, 2019, was now officially Paul and Donna Paduska Day. The day is in celebration and recognition of Paul and Donna Paduska's 50 years of work at the Poudre Valley Hospital and their retirement. They met on Donna's first day in the hospital, and at first Donna said she didn't like Paul, but soon the two became friends and before long they started dating. They married in 1972 and had two children in the hospital where they both remained active staff members. Donna earned a graduate degree in nursing administration and became a manager, helping make Poudre Valley Hospital meet requirements for national nursing certifications. She became the chief nursing officer in 2011. Paul began working for the hospital a year before Donna as an orderly and a nurse, and eventually became one of the hospital's first certified EMTs. Later in his career, he began to focus on infectious disease prevention, and that mission has been his calling for the majority of his medical career. The two of them ended their legendary careers on the 26th, and today, the Fort Collins City Council officially recognizes them for their achievements and marks February 26, 2019, in their honor. Teens and adults alike in Colorado will be gathering at the state capitol in Denver on Thursday to show support for legislation that would lower the voting age for school elections to 16. The current voting age in Colorado school elections for things like school board is 18, but the Student Voice Student Vote Act aims to give more current high school school sorry, current high school students, a vote in the process. The Student Voice Student Vote Coalition, or SV2, has gotten over a thousand signatures for their movement since 2015. If the act were to pass, we would be the first state in the nation to empower 135,000 16 and 17 year olds to vote in their school elections. Former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper has announced that he'll be running for president in 2020. A veteran Colorado public servant, Hickenlooper intends to compete in the Democratic primary at the beginning of next year. His announcement video highlights his career rise from unemployed former geologist to restaurant owner, neighborhood builder, mayor, and finally as governor. He describes his successes in his combined 16 years in office, from getting health care to 95% of Coloradans, to bringing our state economy to number one in the nation. He talks about the challenges he's had to overcome as well, such as getting the oil industry and environmentalists to work together to create our methane emission laws, or the aftermath of the horrific Aurora shooting and passing universal background checks, as well as banning high-capacity magazines in Colorado. With 11 other challengers in the Democratic Party, such as Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kristen Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, and Cory Booker, John Hickenlooper will have a chance to show what he's made of in the first primary debate in June. Finally, Colorado has its first solar co-op, the Coloradoans J.C. Marmaduke reports. The Fort Collins Solar Co-op is a free-to-join organization with about 25 members so far. Members of the co-op will be picking a solar panel installer through a bidding process, and then using the bulk rate to provide affordable solar panels to each member of the co-op who wants them. Not all members are required to get solar panels. 
The installer will come up with a plan for each individual and the group is looking to expand. The next meeting will be taking place at 6.30 p.m. on Thursday at CSU's Powerhouse Energy Campus on 430 North College. The final price of the solar panels is still unknown since Colorado has never had a solar co-op before. Thanks for listening. My name is Maximus Hunter, and this has been your March 5th local news on the Rocky Mountain Review. Keep those frequencies tuned to 90.5 KCSU. Thank you, Max. And up next, we have an interview with Kathy Beck, who is the co-founder and director of the Boulder International Film Festival. And even though I just said Boulder... It's, it's here in Fort it Collins. It is here in Fort Collins, not at CU. Ugh. It's here in Fort <laughs> Collins. They are having the Boulder International Film Festival here in Fort Collins on Friday, March 8th and Saturday, March 9th at the Lincoln Center. So they're going to be showing all kinds of award-winning films this weekend. So we spoke to Kathy a little bit earlier today, and she is going to tell us a little bit more. Here today, Kathy Beck, the co-founder and director of the Boulder International Film Festival. Yes. Very awesome. And it's going to be in Fort Collins this weekend, Friday and Saturday, from March 8th to 9th at the Lincoln Center. Yes. That is so exciting. So we're very excited about it. Good, good. So for our listeners who aren't aware of what the Boulder International Film Festival is. Can you give them a short summary of the event and what they can expect if they decide sure. to pop by this weekend? Sure. Well, here in Boulder, it was our 15th year. We just finished the festival. And what we do here is we bring world-class films in from all over the world. And we have four days of films and parties and workshops and discussions and panels and all of that good stuff, even singer-songwriters. And uh, what we're going to do this weekend in Fort Collins is bring some of that over to Fort Collins. Uh, we're bringing some of our film programs uh, and also our singer-songwriter showcase and our call-to-action discussions as well as an opening night party. So we're really excited about it. That's awesome. And um, how are all those events available to the public? Like, are, Is the opening party available or do they need tickets or how would they go about getting in? You know, uh, the the opening night is a film called Weight of Water, and uh, the the first uh, 200 ticket buyers, I think, are the ones that can come to that, and I'm not sure where we stand on that. We might be sold out of that part of it. But the film is a wonderful film about the first solo kayak run of the Grand Canyon uh, by a blind kayaker named Eric Weinemeyer, and he is going to be... Um, I mean, the film is focusing on him uh, uh, kayaking the entire Grand Canyon. It's filmed by a local filmmaker here in Boulder named Michael Brown, and he's going to be attending that screening and talking about that film. Plus, it's a talkback film, a part of our Call to Action program. So we have a group called No Barriers, which was started by Eric Weinemeyer, that will be there answering questions and talking about what they do uh, in relation to athletics and uh, people with disabilities. So the film is absolutely fantastic. It won uh, the best Call to Action film at the festival this weekend, so we're really happy to be sharing it in Fort Collins. Wow, that is insane. I can't even imagine going across the Grand Canyon in a kayak, let alone 
I can't. I know. Let alone blind. I can't imagine doing it. And then if you're blind, uh, I just I don't understand it even. But it, it's a fabulous movie, and it's really about overcoming that kind of di- diversity and you know balancing your fear in the midst of such chaos. Uh, he he is an unbelievable person. He um, we we were really hoping Eric could be there, but he's. Um, left for an ice climbing trip in Finland or something. Oh, my gosh. He's an active man. Wow. uh, Good for him. That is so awesome. So are most of the films kind of along those lines um, in terms of inspiration? You know, I I think they're very inspirational. Um, Another film that we're screening that I'm super excited about is called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's about uh, an L.A. couple who uh, buy a 200-acre very arid, drought-ridden farm, and they transform it um, into just the spectacular, um, I mean, piece of nature. It is unbelievable. The film follows this couple over 10 years, so it takes a long time, but they, it, it's, um, they consult a Zen farming expert, and they really look at balancing an ecosystem, an entire ecosystem on this property. And uh, the film is absolutely delightful and inspirational, and it won the best documentary at the Boulder International Film Festival this weekend, as well as the $10,000 grand prize. So it won the entire festival, <clears throat> and I'm so excited to be bringing it uh, to Fort Collins. That is a must-see. Wow. Uh, and w- it's also a talkback film, so we're going to be doing that with a couple of different organizations, uh, the Larimer County Farmers Alliance and also the Poudre Valley Community Farms. So they're going to be on hand to talk about what they do and uh, what we all can do together to really uh, work with the environment and help create these wonderful ecosystems. That is awesome. So even though the films are about people and places from all over the country, the event is really connected back to Fort Collins and what we can do for our community. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And along those lines, we have another film uh, called A Tuba to Cuba, which um, uh, is not a talkback film, but it's just a delightful movie about the the, um, New Orleans Preservation Hall Jazz Band and how they go over to Cuba to really look at the roots of jazz and um, it just celebrates, you know, the human spirit and um, the universal language of music. And uh, it is a wonderful film with fabulous music. And given that Fort Collins is such a wonderful music community, we thought this film would fit right in there. And we're, we're excited to be screening that one as well. Awesome. That is perfect. So can you tell me what call to action films are? I read um, in the press release that there will be a certain amount of call to action films. So can you explain what those are yeah. and how they differ from the regular feature films? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're part of the world-class lineup. So in that sense, they're, they're films that are showing all over the world and, uh, and they're winning awards everywhere. And it's, they're, they're fabulous movies. They just happen to have an element that um, people can get involved in. They can get active. They can look at the issues that are being um, discussed and brought up in the films, and, and they can do something about them. We say, you know, you've been moved, now get moving. And uh, I, I think that Fort Collins is a real activist community as well, and I think people want to know what they can do to help solve an issue. And we like working with local community groups that are working on these issues that are brought up in these films. That way, when, when someone attends a film, uh, they don't just walk out and say, wow, 
you know, that looks like a, a, a big problem, and I wish there was something to do about it. We provide them with five action items uh, from each organization that they can actually get involved in and help change the world. We believe in the power of film to change the world, and, and this is one program where we, we kind of harness that and, and bring it back to, to attendees and, and get them involved. You've been moved, now get moving. I love that. That is such yeah. a <laughs> that is a very it's a powerful it phrase. I bet it, it is. It's wonderful, and you know, um, we're, we're working with other groups as well. We have a film called Giant Little Ones, which is fabulous, uh, with Maria Bello and Kyle McLaughlin, and a few other people are in that. And it is one of the best movies I've seen this year, and it looks at a couple of high school. Uh, students and and how you know one of them comes out and and there's uh, some bullying involved and you know it looks at how to address those issues but it's just beautifully acted beautifully written um, it's it's one of the best films that that we had at Biff and we're looking forward to coming uh, bringing that there too and we're working with NOCO Safe Space and uh, possibly some other groups on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Are all of the films? Fiction, nonfiction, based on a true story, documentary style, or is it a mix of everything? Yeah, uh, well, Weight of Water is a documentary, and so is Biggest Little Farm, and then Giant Little Ones is a feature film, and then A Two Bit of Cube is a documentary. And then we have two short film programs, and uh, those are a mixture of uh, docs and um, live-action shorts and animated shorts and um, those are always big hits. They always sell out first at the Boulder International Film Festival here in Boulder. And these uh, short films are going to be fabulous. One of them um, that we're bringing to Fort Collins won Best Animated Film. A couple of them are, um, were nominated for an Academy Award this year. So those programs are also fantastic, and I really encourage people to check out the short films uh, because they're they're funny, they're 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 moving. Uh, they're just wonderful films. So I encourage people to to check those out as well. Is there an itinerary itinerary that people can go to to see when their favorite films or ones they might be interested in are airing? Absolutely, they can go to our website and that's biffone.com, and right on the uh, the homepage of the website there's a button and you can click on to Fort Collins the Biff Fort Collins Film Festival, and that'll have the full schedule. Uh, we're also doing, as I mentioned earlier, the Singer-Songwriter Showcase. So we've got a really great lineup of singer-songwriters coming in, including um, Bonnie and Taylor Sims and Hannah Doreen Brown, Johnny Johnston, and Liz Barnez. Uh, we've just got a really fabulous lineup. If you go to our website, you can see which uh, singer-songwriters are playing before which films. You can see what the call-to-action partners are for a few of those films. You can see uh, synopses for the shorts programs, and all the information is really right there. So I encourage people to go there if if they want to check it out, biff1.com slash foco. With the singer-songwriters, how does this help enhance the viewing experience? Well, they will play prior to each film screening. So we usually have at least a half an hour between each film program. And and we do this in Boulder all the time. What we're trying to do is really highlight some singer-songwriters and and their talent. Uh, Here in Boulder, we try to connect them with filmmakers that might need music for their films. And so that's where it all started. And our singer-songwriter program has really uh, grown here and blossomed. And so... uh, 
we just love highlighting these very talented people who, you know, music is such a big part of film as well, so uh, we think it's a perfect tie-in for the festival, and in our very first year in Fort Collins, we just think it's really important to, especially with the great um, music community you all have there, we just thought it would be great to bring them in and, and um, you know, help them be part of the whole event. It's a real community event. We have lots of great sponsors coming in this year, and as I mentioned, our our call to action partners, and then to bring in these singer-songwriters to perform as well, in addition to the great films. It's really a community event um, that has something for everyone, and uh, we're just excited to be doing all this here this weekend in Fort Collins. That is fantastic. If there's one thing I can think of to describe Fort Collins besides craft beer, it would definitely be the local music (laughs) scene. So (laughs) I think the festival is going to nail that, it sounds like, for sure. So, I mean, the caliber that we have this year is so exciting. I'm I'm just, um, you know, Peggy Lyle is helping us out in Fort Collins, and she has just lined up the most fantastic group of uh, singer-songwriters to come in. So we're really super excited about it. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about the selection process of the films and what your cri- like? what's your criteria for choosing which ones to show? Sure. Well, our criteria here in Boulder has always been great storytelling. It has to, the film has to have great storytelling. Uh, we think that's the central ingredient of every fantastic film, and it all—it's all in how you're telling a story, how it's unfolding. It's looking at the story arc. It's—it's it's certainly production values and acting is absolutely vital as well. But you have to have a great story to tell, and we feel like these films that we're bringing to Fort Collins, you know, have have that as the central um, piece of all of them. And so when we looked at Fort Collins and which ones we wanted to bring over there. We also looked at, you know, what might be of interest over there. And, and you know, it's, it's not only a great music community, but it's also a great whitewater community there in Fort Collins. And uh, I think there's a lot of people interested in, in this uh, kayaking film, The Weight of Water. And we thought that might be a good fit over here. Uh, Biggest Little Farm is probably the best film about farming that I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, and I think the people who uh, come out and watch that will agree. It's so moving and it's so inspiring and uh, it, it is it is going to be delightful. So we thought that might play well uh, there as well. I've already talked about a, a Tuba de Cuba being a really fabulous music film uh, for the music community over there. So we did really look at what films we thought people would enjoy most over in Fort Collins, and and we came up with this great lineup. We always um, bring shorts over just because those are so popular. Um, As people have said to me in the past, you know, the shorts are great because once you start watching them, if there's one that you're not quite sure about, you just wait a few minutes and another one will start. So um, that's that's what we love about the short films. But these are really wonderful short films that will make you laugh and, and really make you think. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a great lineup of shorts in addition to the other features that we're bringing there. So I have a hard question for you next. But what is your favorite film <laughs> that's going to be at the festival this time? That's not fair. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say about that. Um, there's, there's so, there's. Well, these are all, I, you know, these are our favorites. I mean, the reason we, we're highlighting them, in Fort Collins also is that you know we picked our favorite ones as well. And like I said, the biggest little farm won the grand prize of the entire festival. That that was one of my top five films this year. Um, 
the weight of water is so moving and so inspirational. Um, we've had Michael Brown films for several years here at the festival, and when he came out with this one, I mean, this film is winning every award all over the country. It won the Audience Award up in Banff. It's won other audiences' awards, and it is spectacular. It's, these are unbelievable films, so it is kind of hard to, to pick um, a few out of this, but uh, these are all really the cream of the crop um, that we showed here in Boulder, so that's another reason why it's so exciting to be bringing them to Fort Collins, especially in our inaugural year. We wanted to really showcase a fantastic lineup, so uh, we think we think we're doing that. We're that, very happy about it. That is awesome. Well, I am sure it is going to be a fantastic event. Do you have anything else that you would like to add or other information our listeners need to know about the event? You can always uh, also go to the Lincoln Center, and uh, that's where tickets are. This is all being held at the Lincoln Center. We're really happy to be working with them this year. That's a beautiful venue, and it's a big venue, so we can fit a lot of people in there, and um, we're, we're really excited about it. It's going to be a really fun weekend. Uh, all our BIF staff is coming down, so uh, we're all excited about it. We're, we're a little tired since we just uh, <laughs> finished our festival here, but we're uh, already gonna, we're going to rest up all week, and then we're going to come and, and celebrate in Fort Collins for the weekend. So Awesome. Well, I know really Fort Collins will definitely appreciate all of your hard work. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so great. much, Kathy. We're so excited for this festival and the opportunity to get to talk to you about it. It sounds like it's going to be an awesome event. We can't wait. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshak, joined in studio by my co-host. Howdy, howdy. That's me, J.D. Layton. Our lovely reporters, Allison Tackett. And Maximus Hunter. That was an interview with Kathy Beck, the co-founder and director of the Boulder International Film Festival. We do want to make a quick note. She spoke about the opening night party being available on Friday, but that unfortunately is sold out. However, there are still tickets for the other films on their website, biff1.com, B-I-F-F-1.com, if you would like to check that out. And we will have coverage of the film festival itself uh, next Tuesday on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you are interested in hearing about that, stay tuned with the show. But up next, we have some exciting news from one of our own, our reporter, Allison. And can you give us a little sneak peek of what we're about to hear? Ooh. Yeah, it's just a interview about um, one of the people that are uh, high up in the beekeeping club, and it's just a lot of like information on that. Awesome. Well, we are going to take a quick break, but stay tuned because we'll have that up next and later on, a CSU sports update. Only on the Rocky Mountain Review, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Colorado State offers 150 programs of study across eight colleges and 55 departments. The school has everything from liberal arts to construction management and many more in between. One college that stands out amongst the others is the Agriculture Studies Department. This department has been ranked five stars by many quality sources. Not only are the academics rated high, but so are the agriculture related clubs. There are over 30 plus clubs in this department. One club I wanna focus on in particular is the Beekeeping Club. 
I have Shannon Kinsella here with the Beekeeping Club at CSU. How are you, Shannon? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So I have a few questions for you. For starters, when did the club get started? So I think that there used to be a different apiculture club, but our club is new. We kind of just started it last fall, 2017. So what is your position in the club exactly? Technically, I'm the financial officer, but really I'm just there for moral support. I show up to every meeting and high visit and I kind of just ask a hundred questions about beekeeping to Freddie. Freddie's our president. Okay, cool. So what exactly does your club do? Aside from maintaining the hives, I'd say we, we mostly educate and plan kind of what we're going to do next. So we plan ways to expand the hives, to get more involved in the community through the club, and to educate the community about apiculture. That's really our main goal. Freddie loves going to the local elementary schools and teaching the kids about bees. And he actually has a TED Talk coming up in the Lori Student Center on March 9th, where he's going to teach a bunch of grown-ups about bees. Oh, right on. Okay, yeah. so where exactly are your hives located? Well, right now we have two hives. They're on the west side of the Durrell Center on campus, so kind of by the Moby Arena. Funnily enough, they're on a fire escape, which sounds kind of dangerous, but it's really just this huge deck, and they're not in anybody's way or anything. So why is it important to have the hives located in a specific area? It was a big deal to have hives on campus because not many universities actually have hives on campus. I know a lot of colleges, they like to maintain pollinator gardens for bees, but they don't maintain hives themselves. So that was a pretty big deal for us. We really wanted to be on campus. And as far as actual location goes, we really just want them to be in a place with a decent amount of sun, obviously access to flowering plants and not really near many people, you know? Right, right. So does the weather have any factors towards the bees and the hives? Well, living in Colorado, we all know that the weather is completely unpredictable, especially in the winter time. You know, one day we have a day that feels like summer, and the next day it's snowing, and bees want the inside of the hive to be, I think it's around 90, 95 degrees on the inside. So during the winter, what they'll do is they'll huddle up inside the hive and like flex their wing muscles, and they create warmth by doing that. But on the days where it feels like summer in the middle of winter, they're like, oh, it's spring, and they want to go out and work so they leave the hive and that kind of messes up you know the temperature that they have going on especially then the temperature will drop back down to 20 10 degrees that night just from uh, what I learned so far it's a little tricky to maintain a hive throughout the winter yeah that's understandable so how many bees are in one hive in each hive there's at least 25,000 bees and it can go up to as many as 50,000 during the peak of the season God, that's a lot more than I thought. <laughs> okay, so how many queen bees does one have? Uh, each hive only has one queen bee, so you can tell which one is the queen because she's about twice the size of all of the other bees, and she has a big red dot on her back. She's usually surrounded by other bees too, so if there's like a little party going on, you can usually look there for the, <laughs> for the queen. We originally had three hives, so we had three queens, but we actually lost the queen in one, which is really common. When that happens, you can replace the queen. You can buy a replacement queen. Queen, which we did but then I'm pretty sure that hive killed that replacement queen so that's oh also gosh. pretty common <laughs> oh okay wow I'm learning a lot today so <laughs> what did you guys do when you lost that queen we combined the hives, which was really cool. So you kind of do that by taking certain frames out of a hive and putting it into another hive. Oh, okay, so how did you guys get your bees? I'm not exactly sure where they came from, but they're Italian honeybees from California. Hmm. Yeah, they come in this big plastic looking box that they can't get out of oh. the shipment. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So what fundraising have you done or will you do in the future? We actually haven't done much fundraising, but we're making super cool t-shirts okay. that we're gonna be selling. <laughs> okay. Right 
right on. How do you protect yourselves from being stung? We wear beekeeping suits, which is really fun to dress up in on campus because you have people like laughing and taking <laughs> pictures of you. <laughs> One of the first times that we were up at the hives, we had so many people that we ran out of suits. So I wore this painter outfit and a hat with a net over my face <laughs> and gardening gloves. And it worked, but it was silly because obviously not the safest thing. And I'm allergic to bees, fun fact. So it's better to wear a suit because if a bee can find its way into your suit, somehow it will if there's a hole anywhere. And then you're both, you know, having a bad time. But <laughs> and they don't want to sting you, honestly. They, they'll do this thing where they'll headbutt you first as like a warning, like back off or I'll sting you. And uh, you can see them doing that when you're wearing the net in front of your face. You see them like headbutting you, like get away. A lot of experienced beekeepers choose not to wear anything when they go to their hive. I think that they, I guess they think that they're used to the stings or something, but you could get stung and have no reaction however many times, and then one time you get stung and you'll blow up. So it, you really don't know if you're gonna have an allergic right, reaction. So right. we wear full suits and nobody has ever gotten stung besides our president. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do bees live necessarily? I'm pretty sure an individual bee lives somewhere around 150 days. Oh wow. So not long. So how much does a hive weigh? I guess it's hard to say, but when they're full of honey, probably about 90 pounds, 100 pounds or something ridiculously heavy. And I've heard of people putting their hives on scales and then you can even connect that to your phone and over the course of a season, it'll show you how heavy your hive is getting, which gives you like an indication of how much honey might be in there. So yeah, that's something we've talked about doing. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. So how much honey can you collect at a time? Our first year, we were excited to get honey in general, <laughs> but we got, I think it was one and a half gallons, which we were pretty happy with, especially after losing a hive. You know, we just wanted to see how much we could do for the first year. Right, okay, so how often do you check on the hive and what's like the maintenance? Right now we haven't been up there in a while just because it's cold and you don't want to open up the hives when it's too cold. I think Freddie goes up and sees what's going on, you know, just to check it out. But during the warmer weather, we're up there maybe once a week or every 10 days. Okay. What are the goals of this club? We have so many and I'm really excited. Right now we're working on creating a pollinator garden off campus and setting up a full-blown apiary with, I think it was like 15 hives that we're talking. Oh <laughs> yeah, and we're still gonna have hives on campus, but we can't set up a full-blown apiary on a fire escape, so. <laughs> cool, okay, so last question. How can you get involved in the beekeeping club? On Ramlink's website, you can search the CSU Apiculture Club, and there it'll bring you to our email, which is csuapicultureclub at gmail.com. We've had a pretty relaxed winter, not a lot of meetings or anything, but with the spring coming, we're really gonna need the help. And even if you don't know a thing about beekeeping, as long as you wanna learn and get involved, we're happy to have you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to yeah. do this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You know what else stings is uh, our losses. Oh my god! Oh, I, I can't Sports believe. Sports transition. I, I'll, I'll I'll just take it for here. Hello, my name is Ray McGowan, and this is your Rocky Mountain Sports Update for Tuesday. Starting off with CSU, the men's basketball split the games they had last week with a win over Boise State, seventy-six to sixty-two, and finally having their three-game winning streak snapped by New Mexico in a seventy-seven to sixty-five loss. The men's team continues to fight for a higher seed in the Mountain West. 
tournament tonight versus Utah State here in Fort Collins. They will also have their season finale Saturday against the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, also here in Fort Collins. The women's basketball team season is still on a low note after the Rams fall to New Mexico 79-56 in their home finale on senior night. They also lost to Utah 70-59 Sorry, in Utah against Utah State. The women's team has their season finale at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas on Thursday. For track and field, head coach Brian Bedard has been named the U.S. Track and Field Cross Country Coaches Association Mountain Region Women's Coach of the Year, say that three times fast, for the indoor season. This is her second time winning in five years after leading the Rams to a third conference title in four years. For women's tennis, they had to move indoors over the weekend due to the snow, but the weather did not cool them off as they competed. They completed a sweep 4-0, to zero, and they continued the winning streak with a 5-2 to two victory over the University of Texas, El Paso. With the NFL Combine hype in full force, Colorado State's very own wide receiver, Olabisi Johnson, had a solid performance in front of the scouts. Johnson recorded a 4.51 second 40-yard dash, a 14, 225-pound bench press, and a 38-inch vertical. He has been overshadowed by receivers uh, such as now Dallas Cowboy Michael Gallup and teammate Preston Williams. However, he could be a solid draft pick as he was given a prospect grade of 5.48 with that grade he has been deemed to be a backup or a special teams potential star and was just 0.01 points away from the grade of being a potential starter Moving on to the greater Colorado area, the Denver Nuggets had a rough. Uh, uh, there we go. Language had a rough last week and are currently on a three-game losing streak after losses to Utah, the Utah Jazz, New Orleans Pelicans, and San Antonio Spurs. They look to snap that streak against the Los Angeles Lakers tomorrow. The Colorado Avalanche didn't have much luck either after losing to the San Jose Sharks four to three and the Anaheim Ducks two to one. They look to change their luck also against the Detroit Red Wings tonight in Denver at seven. Lastly, the Colorado Mammoths lost to the New England Black Wolves 11-17 and are looking to return home to face the San Diego Seals on March 9th here in Denver. Gotta get the lacrosse in. And that has been your Rocky Mountain Sports Update for Tuesday. Ray, I'm you know, bravo. <laughs> bravo. Oh my goodness. What? <laughs> JD's going to talk about your breath again. What? No, What's I'm, not, breath? I'm, just, I'm just saying bravo. No, you always get through it so fast. And I'm just like, wow, yeah. if I were to talk that fast, I might pass out. Oh my goodness. It's 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 just the pipes I got, man. It's a learned art. Once you grow up, it's just singing and, and you know, He's yelling like a, songs in your car. Yeah, I mean, I was in a musical, so you have that. He's, he's the human organ Ray McGowan. Yeah, I wouldn't say organ. I was actually the the Pied Piper in our rendition of Shrek the Musical in high school. I was also Shrek's understudy. Uh, so that's a sign that I need to lose some weight. Aww, no. <laughs> it's a joke. It's okay. I can laugh at myself. I own a mirror. It's fine. Ray. <laughs> we love you, Ray. Ray. You're over that point in your life. Oh, my you, God. Did you say I'm over that point? Yeah. I'm oh. so I'm really proud of you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Let you on the air. Julie. All I know is that that pun was believable. Oh my wow! Oh my goodness! Oh, it's right. okay. And on that note, I think it's time oh, for us to switch uh, to music. It's something that sounds a little sweeter than these terrible puns. That yes, we're yes, indeed. Our music mentee Henry Netherland was able to do a piece on an artist called Rosalia, and we've got it here. Up next on the Rocky Mountain Review, you're listening to ninety point five KCSU Fort Collins. Let's go, let's go. 
In recent years, artists like Bad Bunny, Annual AA, and J Balvin have dominated the Spanish musical output through their use of contemporary production tools that are often found in American trap music. Unfortunately, their use often extends past production and ventures into topics and aesthetics nearly removing the cultural origins aside from the language used and some instrumentals. However, of all these viral male performers caving into trends, one woman shines a ray of hope for popular Spanish music. Rosalia is a 25-year-old singer-songwriter from Catalonia, Spain, who is bringing the traditional and culturally niche style of flamenco music into a contemporary and international music market. Her 2017 debut, Los Angeles, which in English means The Angels, had her working with producer Raul Refri for the entire duration of the record. The instrumentation is entirely acoustic as Rosalia lets her jaw-dropping vocals take center stage. On tracks like De Plata, her gargantuan voice holds the listener in suspense for its entire four-minute duration. According to Billboard, her 2018 follow-up, El Mal Carrer, was actually her graduate thesis when she attended the College of Music in Barcelona, where she studied flamenco and music production. The album features much more varied production and instrumentation. The lead single from it, Malamente, shows her hit-making capabilities, sitting at almost 60 million views on YouTube. Songs like De Aquino Celeste even have her using sound effects to develop the atmosphere around her music. Meanwhile, songs like Baghdad have her showing her humanity and vulnerability with a hauntingly beautiful falsetto. Despite her universal acclaim, Rosalia is not without her critics. One critic in ABC de Sevilla said she lacks almost everything a flamenco singer should have. In addition, a gypsy activist told an El Español journalist she uses our symbols like these false eyelashes. She is using gypsies as something cool to incorporate into her costume, but we aren't important to her socially. Rosalia pursues her music regardless of these critiques. She claims she is making songs that depart from elements of flamenco. Many have tried to lump her into the Latin trap trend, 
but she has strongly denied that association. What makes Rosalia special from her Spanish contemporaries is that she uses the forward-thinking production found in a lot of contemporary music while sticking tightly to the essentials of traditional flamenco music. It begs the question, what other culturally traditional musical styles can see a resurgence in popularity simply through the incorporation of modern production and digestible structures? Maybe one day we'll see a popular Celtic singer wowing young people across the world over modern beats and autotune. For KCSU, I'm Henry Netherland. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshek, joined in studio by my co-host. I'm J.D. Layton. And our reporters. Allison Tackett. And Maximus Hunter. And thank you to our music mentee, Henry Netherland, for his piece on Rosaria. That was cool. It, it was, was very, cool. It was very interesting music, and none of, like from one second to the next, it barely sounded the same. I know. So I was... large... Uh, range she's it a was artist. i was on a roller coaster the whole time i know i know but yeah. if you missed that you can check it out on our website kcsufm.com we'll have the podcast of this episode up later in the or, meantime oh, or wait. or if you want to tune in oh that's right at 11 o'clock tonight you can just listen to the whole episode over again live because what else would you well, do it's not live but it's <laughs> well you know on the radio live ish anyway if you didn't have tuesday night plans now you do my friend <laughs> but in the meantime our reporter allison has your national news update for you this is allison tackett with your daily national news for march 5th 2019 according to u.s news heavy snowfall from many avala- avalanches barreled down a barreled down a colorado mountain burying cars and leaving people stranded on a highway the avalanches swept across interstate 70 in colorado summit county near copper mountain on sunday cars were buried in the snow and the highway was blocked no injuries were reported but the road had to be completely shut down kcnc denver reported some drivers attempted to dig themselves out of the snow heavy snowfall was recorded in the mountains over the weekend with some areas seeing more than 32 inches According to Ozark First, and multiple agencies battled a three-alarm lake house fire in Branson, Missouri, for more than seven hours Tuesday morning. The Southern Stone County Fire Protective District responded to the fire around, this, around one this morning. Upon arrival, heavy smoke was seen coming from home, and on an active attack on the fire began. Within 20 minutes, the fire increased to a two-alarm fire, and additional agencies were called to assist. By 3.30 a.m., the fire was three-alarm active fire. Crews reported having water pressure issues while fighting the fire. Fire crews were able to protect two nearby structures along with one minimal damage. No one was injured inside the home. Two firefighters suffered minor minor injuries after falling on the ice. According to WTHR, a Kentucky man is facing charges after allegedly abusing his girlfriend's two-year-old child. Police said Kurt Marshall was arrested after the toddler had to get surgery for a broken femur. The boy also had bruises on his leg and cheeks. According to Wave TV, police founded a deleted video on his cell phone that shows Marshall taking the boy by the ankles, swinging him around, and throwing him onto the couch. In official documents, the boy's mother said she could not find a ride to take the boy to the hospital for treatment after the incident until the next day. When she finally got him there, he required surgery. Marshall has been charged with child abuse, endangerment, and assault. He denied all accusations and said he was not in the home when the boy suffered the leg injury. 
Police said the boy's mother described other instances of abuse at the hands of Marshall. She said he had burned the boy's mouth with a lit cigarette and smacked the little boy hard enough to cause bruises. According to NPR, two little girls, eight and five, survived after being lost in the woods for 44 hours. The two little girls were taking a walk through the woods, then suddenly got lost and couldn't find their way back home. Two nights passed while a 250-person strong crew, including dog teams, assisted in the efforts to find them. By Sunday morning, tracks left by the boots of the girls led rescuers to the sisters huddled together, safe, under a bush. How they were out there for 45 hours is 44 hours is pretty amazing, said Sheriff Williams Hansel at a Sunday morning news conference, where the sense of relief was profound and media applauded and shouted, good job, to all the rescue, all the assembled rescuers. This is an absolute miracle. Thank you for, thank you for listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. 45 hours is an incredibly long time. Or 44. Well, yeah. they're like, they're little girls. They're, yeah. They're, they're small children, not like, you know, seventh graders. They're not like, oh boy, we're lost. Let's go hunt and fish and build shelter. No. It's, right. It's like, oh man, is this rock candy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have 100% died for sure. I probably would have died now. Yeah. I'm yeah. Grown adult. Oh, I would have died yeah. now. I am completely incapable. I can't charge my phone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess I'll just die. Yeah. Goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So props props to those little girls. Good for them. Yeah, certainly. I know, definitely. It's brave, brave kiddos. Brave kiddos. But up next, we have a roundtable discussion about golf, Ooh, which wait. has become controversial. So if you're curious or if you want to tune in to the discussion, give us a call or send us a text at 970-491-5278. That's 970 970- 491-KCSU. And another one of our reporters, Katie Otter, has joined in on this golf discussion. Yeah, I just got back from my office, and I'm passionate about golf. Yeah. <laughs> so I s- decided to stop in. Indeed. Well, Katie, you were actually the one that brought this story to my attention. So do you mind oh. giving our listeners a little a little rundown of, of the drama? Sure, yeah. I was on Twitter a couple weeks ago, as I like to do, and... I saw a tweet uh, calling for the, the banning of golf, and I thought it was a parody tweet, and it was not. Um, I didn't know before that, that so many people were against golf, um, and I can see both sides of it, but I just didn't know that there is such a strong opinionated community that is against golf courses and, and golf as a sport. Um and there's arguments that that land should be used for accessible housing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just saw a tweet and it kind of it riled me up a little bit. Yeah, indeed. So yeah. specifically, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're mostly angry about the golf courses being bad for the environment and taking up taking up the land. Land. Yeah. And then they also were angry because they thought golf was a little classist. Classist. Yes. It uses a lot of water does use a lot of water you got to irrigate those courses um <laughs> so um yeah i it's just hard for me personally because i grew up playing golf and i played golf in high school and all that and i had never really considered the other side of the argument before um i didn't even realize there was an argument until yeah, you informed I guess, me I guess about me that either. tweet um but yeah i i don't know 
I don't want to. I don't want to offend anyone. No, it's well. okay. This is a roundtable opinion. I would also not like to offend anyone, but at the same time, I think this argument is stupid, and I think <laughs> we should play golf. And I get that it may not be the greatest thing for the environment, but I think you should be worrying about a lot of other environmental issues that are not golf courses. And you can really say anything that costs money is classist, because by that definition, so is skiing. Skiing. We live in Colorado. We live in Colorado. Horseback riding, anything that really costs right. money. And right. I'm, yeah. The anti-golf movement needs a voice here, and I think okay. I'm going right. to embody go that. Um, I mean, sure, like skiing, you know, it's definitely expensive, but you're for skiing, we're not taking up these huge tracks of you know, land in our, our cities that could be going to other places. But we are taking up tracks yeah. in nature in the mountains. Yeah, sure, but we're we're not I mean, maybe a little bit of development over it, but these golf courses are in the middle they're in the middle of cities. They use tons and tons of water, they use tons and tons of space, and only a very few percentage of the population actually get to enjoy them. Um and the just the amount of resources and time and money and everything that gets put into golf courses could could be used for so much more and i and i un- understand that you know there's a definite desire for it but they, it is just a lot of space and a lot of resources yeah but i feel like that's like for any sport you know like it you know, every sport it always takes up some type of money and space and you know and the jo- it's creating jobs by hiring maintenance crews and Caddies, caddies, tearing well, them down. Golf restaurant well, bartenders. It's not always. Um, public courses don't really have caddies. That's true. That is true. That's more of a country club thing. Right. Yeah. Turning them into other things would also create jobs. Yeah, well, I guess I see your point, but I feel like if golf was banned, golf courses wouldn't really go into beneficial community great things. I feel like they'd probably put like a McDonald's or something Possibly. on the property. Right. Which, right. I don't know, I just feel like I care about the environment, but I feel like we have more to worry about oh, absolutely. than golf absolutely. courses. And I don't know, the classes, and I feel like, yeah, it sucks, but I don't know. Like, people can pay There's for it, they can golf. If you Yeah, it is an expensive sport, but if you can, if you can do it... Yeah, I mean, I can't go bungee jumping or skydiving on the reg, but if I was rich, I mean, I actually, I'm a scaredy cat, so I would not do those things. <laughs> but I would have the option. I would buy myself a Lamborghini, and I would drive it. Oh, <laughs> totally. And, you too. know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not like... It's like Two Lamborghinis, one for me, one for my dog. The <laughs> only real solution here is to, to ban golf and turn every golf course into an enormous froth course. Froth. Well, that's not elitist at all. <laughs> Frothing is everybody's sport it's the sport of the people There's it's the sport of the people courses. what's no, a froth it's <laughs> frisbee golf. golfing oh, it's like those okay. basket okay. things it's you know more frustrating than real golf oh, oh i'm horrible at frisbee golf i don't oh. like it uh, frothing is, is the way to live life it is truly how i want to go i i would be a froth monk if i could jd we'll have to go sometime man oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I could see that happening. But wouldn't wait, don't froth courses need water too? No. No, they're just on parks. Yeah, you just uh you just set up metal baskets and people just walk through. And well and just, golf yeah. courses, you know what, are probably not the uh probably not the worst thing in the world for the environment or for our society or anything like that. And you know, it's it we have we have some big real problems that it sounds like this could be being a bit of a scapegoat for, even though, you know, maybe they could be a little more 
la di da. But yeah, well, yeah, I yeah. agree that there there have points. But yeah, I like what you said about the scapegoat point. I feel like people are using our current problems in our country of division and anger and blaming it on things like golf. And I feel like no, maybe I could be wrong, but I don't think anyone goes golfing to create division between them and the less fortunate. No, if anything, people go <laughs> right. golfing together. And to it's have a fun, fun people and to bring people together. Mm-hmm. And it's not like golf is this new sport that just mm-hmm. came out, you know? <laughs> it's you been kids around. at your golf courses. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know? Use. It's been around for a long time, and so have golf courses. Um, in my experience, at least, all, a lot of the golf courses I've played are, like, older than my parents. Mm-hmm. So, And another argument I would bring up is that it is keeping lands open open lands right. and uh i think in this day and age it's that's important to keep some part of nature open and not developed that's true there are always little squirrels and deer running around yeah there's a little wildlife yeah, they're cute. yeah what 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 was that I said they're cute. Oh, I thought you said like you. I was like, did you just call me a squirrel? Oh my god! Whoa! I was like, do I have to throw hands right now? Yeah, on this air? is about to become a really interesting show. Fight! Just kidding. Wow. I was also confused because I was like, wait, I'm trying to get like the burn, but I just, I'm, I'm just confused. You confused all of us, Emily. I know. Now I'm embarrassed. I wish I, I should have just rolled with it. Wow. Congrats on derailing our conversation. I know. Okay, forget about me. Forget about me. Golf. Opinions, go. Uh, <laughs> I think we should all go play around after this. <laughs> I disagree because I'm a lose. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all about mini golf, though. Mini Ooh, golf yeah. is fun. Mm-hmm. I do. I agree. I love mini golf. All right. Well, I'm glad we could come to a consensus on something, at least. Yes. Everyone yeah. loves mini golf. Everybody yeah. loves mini golf. It's pretty golf. hard to hate As- mini golf. Especially when it's got all those wacky course designs. It is cool. Whoa, I just scored a hole in one on the pyramid. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I dig mini golf. <laughs> well, anyway, that got out of hand. But if you, listener, have an opinion. So crazy. So crazy. On whether or not we should ban golf in America or whether or not it's terrible for every reason, um, give us a call or send us a text at 970-491. Or hit us up on Twitter. On Twitter, 5278. FM. Sorry. Yeah, that was under the number. Well, I had to finish the number. It's true. I, I realized I cut you off. I apologize. It's okay. But yes, we also do have a Twitter at KCSUFM. It's very simple. Tweet us. Tweet us your golf thoughts, your frolf thoughts. I would love to read them and hear them. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Indeed. But we know what you want to hear because it is that time of the, the show. It is. Oh, wow. Everybody's got the gist. It's time for weather. Weather. I'm going to don my meteorological hat and tell you the things you want to know. It was cold today. It was yeah. pretty chilly. Uh, not as cold as it's been, but it was a high of 30 degrees. Cloudy. I already knew that, though. You've seen the outside. Wednesday, though, it's going to be partially cloudy. High of 39, low of 20 degrees. And Thursday, well, dear listener, you'll just have to tune in to find out what's going on then. And also... Enjoy Mardi Gras. That's today. Hey, so, uh, Mardi so, Gras. Soak that up. Party. Cool. Collect beads. I don't know what you want to <laughs> do. Collect beads. Eat stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too... The cake too f- with the baby. Beignets. Yes. King cakes, yeah. Yeah, get, get your king cakes. Get your king cakes. Don't eat the baby Don't eat the, the baby. That's bad luck. It's actually really tiny, too. So if you... There's a possibility. ...were under the influence and eating a cake fast, 
you would yeah. probably eat it. So just be careful. It's be Mardi careful. Gras, folks. Mardi Gras. And I'd like to take this moment and opportunity to remind everyone to not eat real babies either. Yes, <laughs> yes please. Yes, Thank please. you, Katie. We do not that is important. That. This, that is yeah. important. This is a plastic baby in a cake. Eat food and food yes, only. Yes, don't oh, put look at babies those, Marty. in a cake. Okay, this is totally irrelevant for our listeners. <laughs> I just saw some Mardi Gras people dressed up in purple and green and yellow if you hear this they folks, look, you look great fantastic yeah. <laughs> but yeah and if you listeners are donning your mardi gras gear send a picture of it on twitter we want to see those wacky wacky zany outfits yeah and maybe we'll talk about them on thursday you'll have to wait and see anyway happy mardi gras and a big thanks to you listener for sticking with us but we'd also like to thank our interviewee kathy beck the boulder international film festival co-founder for sharing a little bit with us about the festival that will be in fort collins this weekend and I also want to thank all of our reporters, including Max and Katie and Allison, especially for her special piece on the Apiculture Club here at CSU, as well as our sports director, Ray McGowan, our musical mentee, Henry Netherland, and my co-host, JD. And I want to thank you. Oh, The nice. host. Thank you. I try. Now, uh, what song do we have up next? Up next, we have Sorry You're Mad by Dilly Dally. Dilly Dally. I feel like that's kind of appropriate following our, our last yeah. discussion. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, thank you again, listener. Stick with us. We'll be back on Thursday. This has been the Rocky Mountain Review. Up next is Sorry You're Mad by Dilly Dally, only here on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins.